You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Matthew 5 verse 14. Thank you for joining us for another episode of our Deeply Rooted Faith podcast and welcome to our new listeners. My name is Marge and I'm just so excited to have you guys here with me. We simply exist to glorify the name of Jesus Christ and spread the gospel. So join us as we journey through what it actually means to be deeply rooted in him. Hey guys, so thank you for joining us once again. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Deeply Rooted Faith Podcast, where we help others become a light to a dark, dark world. So this is the second to our last episode. I am so elated to have you guys here just listening to the word of the Lord. I am so very thankful for each and every single one of you guys. So today, we will be exhorting out of Matthew 5, verse 14, and it states, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Let me read that again. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Did you hear me? So before we get started, let's pray. Father, thank you that the unfolding of your words give light. It gives understanding to the simple. So as I sit here in your presence, anoint me to speak your words with boldness. Let your face shine upon me as your Holy Spirit moves through the airwaves. Father, let your word take root in the hearts of your people. Let it change lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of your Holy Spirit, let it change lives. And as I always say, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength, my rock, my redeemer. Amen. So let's get started. So on our last episode, we talked about the perseverance of prayer and living in a state of expectancy of knowing that God has already answered all of our prayers and that the key to see the manifestation of what God has spoken over us is to abide in a place of prayer and perseverance. So as I sat on my bed last Thursday night, just conversing with the Lord about my day Matthew 5 just kind of dropped in my spirit. So in this chapter, the segmental topics were the Sermon on the Mount, which describes how members of the kingdom of heaven should live. Discipleship in the world, which describes the function of his people. So as I began to read, I noticed a specific word that was pressed upon my heart that morning during my ride to work. So I began to ask, 
the Lord, is this word for me or for the podcast? Because I just wasn't sure. Then I fully understood that it was multifaceted. That Thursday afternoon, I had a thought that kind of crossed my mind in which I knew that it wasn't the voice of God. This exasperating thought just kept nagging at me. It kept sneaking back at the forefront of my mind, even after I prayed about it. So I sought out to seek the counsel of the Lord. It was like, God, is this you taking a measurement of my heart? Because I know that the heart overflows into thoughts and the heart is wicked. Is this you showing me the real me? Is this you showing me a part of me that needs to be killed? I wasn't sure. I was agitated. And to be quite honest, honestly, I just couldn't wait to get home. And as soon as I got home, I mean, as soon as the clock hit 5.30, I was out of there. So when I got home, I got on my knees and I prayed and repented for a better understanding of where that thought came from. I wanted to know if it was something rooted within that needed to be uprooted or something that I needed deliverance from. So I cried and cried. Eventually, I just laid there on the carpet in the fetal position. The weightiness of his presence was so tangible. Then I heard the Lord call my name. His voice brought peace and light. In his presence, there was clarity. In his presence, there was freedom. So I was unaware of how long I had laid on that carpet. It must have been a couple of hours. I surrendered my thoughts to the Lord and I was comforted. I guess the Holy Spirit needed to extract things out of me. You know, it's a continuous cycle. God is always pruning you. God is always refining you. And it doesn't always feel good. So the Holy Spirit was bringing certain things to the light, certain things that I needed to deal with. Now I understand the brokenness of my poor spirit in a different light. You know, the light always testifies to the truth. Surrendering is what gets you to the other side. And in my case, my vice was pride. And the Holy Spirit had to remind me 
when you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord that he should lift you up. You know, just to be transparent, thinking that I was too good to do something that was asked of me. I needed to be humbled. You know, the fascinating part about all this was the fact that the first beatitude talked about the insignificance of a person. You know, that only those who view themselves as insignificant will be blessed. You know, God is, God is such a comedian. It was like, oh, you think you're too good? Okay. Well, your next message is going to be about being a light. So the title of this episode is called, You Are the Light. Be a light. You know, we often hear people say, be a light. I mean, it sounds really, really nice. But do people actually understand what it means to be a light? Light is vitally important to us. It is a natural agent that stimulates sight and makes things visible. You know, there are two different types of light. One that can be perceived, meaning that meaning a physical light, and one that is accessible through the spiritual enlightenment of Jesus Christ. So I began to ask the Lord, what is the correlation of the beatitudes in relation to being a light? I believe the Holy Spirit has something to say. If we are to understand the purpose of light, we must go back to the origin. So let's take a look at Genesis 1, verse 1 through 4. It states that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, or a waste and emptiness. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. And he affirmed and sustained it. And God separated the light, distinguishing it from the darkness. You know, it's quite fascinating when you think about it. The very first thing God spoke was, Let there be light. It was within that light was the preeminence of Jesus. Because he was the word that was spoken. In verse 4, it states that God separated light from the darkness. Meaning that light and darkness does not overlap. He separated them. The word separate means distinctive, distinguished, to be different. So we can clearly see that from the beginning of time, 
God made a clear distinction between the two. If we pay close attention to the context of the text, God only called light good, which means the nature of God doesn't deal with darkness. He only deals in light. So how dare we make them interchangeable? Being comfortable in our sinful habits, not repenting and thinking that God is in the midst. There's no exchanging light and darkness. When God has clearly drawn a line between light and darkness. Can I be straightforward with you guys? The main reason for the existence of human life on the earth is to be a light. You know what? Let me prove that to you. Let's go to John 1 verse 4. In him was life. And the life was the light of man. You see, in him was life. Meaning, in Jesus was every living thing. And the life was the light of man. Meaning that life and light are conjoined. They're, they are connected it is within the light that true life is gained. In order to really have life, you must be associated with the light. And that light is Jesus Christ. So my question then becomes, how does the light get distinguished? Well, the light gets distinguished by discipleship. What is discipleship exactly? Discipleship is a person who adheres to the doctrine of another. And in our case, it's Jesus. The light gets distinguished by the embodiment of becoming more like Christ. The light gets distinguished by following the way of life in which Jesus had set forth for us by adhering to his commands. So this actually brings me to the Beatitudes, a teaching which solidified the virtues of someone in light and a guide to the blessings of God. Matthew 5 verse 2 to 12 says, Then he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. 
Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You see, family, to be a light, one must be in a continual state of transformation. I'm talking about humility, meekness, hungering, and thirst after righteousness, the purity of one's heart, and the bearing of persecution. These are all the characteristics and qualities one must possess in order to reflect the light of Christ. The Beatitudes allow us to see the transformation of our inner person, our inner soul. You know, the culture in which we live are predominantly all about self. You know, the illusion that our emptiness can be filled with the things of the world apart from Jesus. And that's a bold-faced lie. The world would delude you into thinking that vibrating with the universe at a high frequency will enable you to accomplish your dreams, your desires, when in actuality it's setting you up for blurred boundaries. Visualize your highest self, they say. Vibrate higher, they say. Synchronize your energy, they say. Manifest your desires effortlessly, they say. Be the best version of yourself, they say. And of course, there is nothing wrong with, with that, honestly. Unless... The best version of you is the conformity of Jesus. The world is dying from its self-absorption. You know, it's all about me, 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 me. May I suggest to you that if you're not visualizing your higher self with humility and placing God above all your wants and desire, your vision is blurred. Matter of fact, you're in darkness. If you're vibrating higher without God, your vision is not just blurred, you are in darkness. Anything that does not pertain to light is dark because there is an absolute distinction. Blurred indicates the inability to see clearly. Darkness is the absence of light. The truth is, family, Satan blinds people. The Bible states that Jesus came into the world to restore sight to the blind. Restoring sight means accepting the truth 
and the knowledge of Jesus as the light who came to save us all. God is light. And where there, and where there is light, there can be no darkness. Can I let you in on a little secret? On how God defines and views the ones that are in light. The ones he separated. The ones he distinguished. The ones he foreknew would accept his truth. Let's go ahead and take a look at 1 Peter 2 verse 9. I'm going to be reading out of the Amplified Version. I want you to see the totality of the picture that the word paints for us. The ones that are in light. The ones that would eventually become light due to the knowledge and the truth of God. But you are a chosen race. A royal priesthood. A dedicated nation. God's own purchase special people. That you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues. See, the virtues are the beatitudes that we just talked about, which is a guide to righteousness. So let's go ahead and continue. And displays the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The marvelous light of God is what distinguishes us. We ought to be different. We ought to think different. We ought to see things differently from the perspective of Christ. So this brings me to our anchor scripture for today, Matthew 5 verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. I'm actually going to read the following verses as well. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. So what is the implication of this chapter exactly? When Jesus walked the earth, he was the light of the world. So since he ascended to take his rightful place at the right hand of the Father, at the right hand of God, we are now the light of the world because we have been, re we have been reborn of the Spirit and washed in his blood, which means that you and I have been commissioned by the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us to be a light in this broken and dark world by releasing the light within us so our Father in heaven can be glorified. It is time for the children of light to come out of hiding. We are created to be a light to those around us. You were created to be a light that will be a witness to the faith. You were created to be a light that will shine forth truth and expose the evil works of darkness in the enemy. You were created to be a light that will be a conduit 
of God's love and mercy to a people without hope, to a people in despair. You were created to make Jesus Christ known. So we ought to be one of those people that when others come in contact with us, they want to know Jesus because there's something different about us. There ought to be different. There ought to be something different about you and me that attracts people to the light. We ought to glow differently. So you are the light in the darkness. You are the light that Jesus has called forth to show his glory because he is in you. He is for you. He is with you. You are the light. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Father God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the open heaven that is over this place. Father God, you are the God that is high above all the nations. You are gracious and full of compassion. Lord, you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You, Lord, are greatly to be praised. So, Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that has washed away all of our sins, Lord. We thank you that Jesus is the light and only through him can we be a light. For your word says, Lord, that you, Jesus, are the light of the world and whoever follows you shall never walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. We thank you for the light of of your truth. We thank you for the light of your word. We thank you, Lord, that you require a posture of brokenness, a posture of humility. We come before you as we humble ourselves at your feet, Father, knowing that apart from you, Jesus, that we are nothing. We cling to your word. A Matthew 5, verse 14 through 15, Lord, that we are the salt of the earth in the light of the world. Father, I just ask you that you just remove everything in us that's not like you. Teach us, Lord. Teach, teach us your truth. Teach us how to be a light to the world that desperately needs you. Teach us how to be your hands and feet. Teach us, Lord, how to be a people of light, children of light. For the world needs your grace, for the world needs your mercy, for the world needs your love, your deliverance, your comfort. So we come before you, Father, today, and we just ask, Lord, that you just teach us to be a light. Teach us to be more like Jesus. So our Father in heaven can be glorified, just like when Jesus walked the earth, the way he moved, the way he acted glorified you lord we want that our lives reflect who you are so you can be glorified through us so we give you praise we give you glory we thank you for the process we thank you for your love we thank you for your grace we thank you for your tender mercies and we thank you for the power of your holy spirit that changes us from the inside out so we can look more and more like you each and every single day. 
So in the name of Jesus Christ, So we this pray. concludes our episode this Amen. week. So this week, I had to reevaluate some things, realizing that God was actually taking me through a process of what it actually means to be a light. In order to be a light to the world, we must live according to truth and act accordingly. We can't reflect the light of God if we're prideful. We can't reflect the light of God if we can't imitate his goodness and mercy. We can't reflect the light of God if we're not pure at heart. We can't reflect the light of God if we're not a peaceful people. We just can't. So it is vitally important that before we can become a light to others, that God takes us through a process, a process of pruning, a process of refining, a continuous one at that. So my challenge for you guys this week is to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the areas of your life that you need to work on. Ask him to restore it. Ask him to deliver you from it. You know, things that are buried deep within you, things that you won't allow God to heal you from, you know, whether it is your thoughts or something that you've, something that you've gone through, whatever it is, you know, because if we're going to be children of light, God himself, the Holy Spirit must get rid of everything that's not like him in order for us to even be a light in order for our heavenly father to be glorified through our lives we need to reflect that of Jesus in order to be a light we need to look like Jesus because Jesus is the light and in him, there is no darkness at all. So, thank you for rocking with Jesus and I. I love you guys. See you guys next time.